Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to Sports Fans, it is the MKT Show, 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 show. What a sport weekend that was. Absolutely insane. Uh, the Ashes, incredible. Um, gonna speak about Poch, he's a Chelsea, very impressive uh, press conference as a Chelsea fan and uh, all-round football fan. And then David De Gea has left Manchester United, so I'll talk Poch and I'll talk um, David De Gea. Got an incredible story. Um, I had lunch yesterday with a friend. She told me one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. Definitely share that with you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how people are living out here. Like, I didn't realize people are living the way they're living out here. Just outrageous stuff. Absolutely outrageous stuff. Uh, remember to like, share, subscribe. Um, the MKT Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. Podcasting. We're podcasting. Um, so yeah, do like, share, subscribe. Leave us a uh, review wherever you listen to the show. The show. Um, l- let me start off by telling you one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. So a friend of mine yesterday, we had uh, breakfast. And she was telling me about a friend of hers. And maybe you've got this in your life and I'm living a small life, right? But she told me the most incredible story about a woman who's a meth addict, but is also dating like a high level lawyer. And the lawyer didn't know that she was a meth addict, but I can't really share the whole story. But it it was just incredible that she just knew a meth addict. Like, (laughs) Like this woman had come and stayed on her couch and she didn't know that this woman was back on meth. She had been on meth before and she had spent some time on her couch, but it is just an insane situation. So, you know, with me, whenever it comes to substances, like if, if you've got substance problems, I'm out. I'll, I'll help people with anything, you know, everybody's faced their own challenges. But as soon as I hear substances, I mean, for me, I, I was a real problem for society in general including my family and friends so so i just stopped drinking it's like okay every time i'm around alcohol bad situations create themselves around me which i'm creating because i'm choosing to drink so obviously i can't handle the alcohol and ultimately i don't think those things like like, i don't know about other substances because i've never done anything besides drink but you you know a, a drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts so not only was i a terrible human now i'm a terrible human and i can use the alcohol excuse that's really what it was so i had to just change myself it wasn't about the alcohol in my opinion what like you can have your own opinion whatever addiction's a complicated thing by the way my mother has a doctorate in um in addiction uh, psychiatry so i i don't know but i've been well counseled in addiction and things like that by somebody who who's you know accredited at the doctorate level. So it's not something which I just shoot from the hip about. It's something I'm constantly asking about. Addiction's complicated, right? But, so, so I'm out. Like, as soon as I hear somebody's got, like, drinking problem, any substance, substance problems, I'm out. Like, there's, I just know, I've lost two uncles to drug addiction. So I know that people that are on substances, there's just no helping them. Like, I, I don't care how good a person you think you are. But what was incredible for, with my friend was she just knew a meth addict. And like, to her, it wasn't outrageous. As she was telling the story, I thought, this is bloody out. Like, do people just know meth addicts? Am I living a small life? Because, I mean, I know rich kids play around with cocaine and, and things like that. Like, like, I'm not into that. Again, once people are into substances, you're not going to be in my life. I, I, I'm, I'm above that, right? I am better than you if you're doing drugs. Like, sorry, 
uh, and even weed like sorry i'm out you smoke weed it limits how much i want to be around you and i'm revolted by it so i can't pretend to be like oh no no it's cool people do their thing like no you like you don't have to smoke weed you, you know and if you're doing it i don't have to see it and i, I don't want to be around it so i'm not one of those people who are, who are like oh everybody's got their thing like that no, doesn't have to be drugs sorry and uh, I know it's quite cool now to say, oh, it's just marijuana. It's a, it's a plant from, I don't know, Allah or, or whatever. People believe whatever now, right? I, I don't know. I'm not religious. So good luck to all of you out there. Um, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not handling it. I'm not going to be around it, whatever. I understand how substances work and have seen where they lead to. But whatever, you know, like people are doing stuff. So I'm not naive enough to go, because I'm quite naive in that world because I just shut it out. Like, oh, that person smoked weed. Okay, well, they're not interesting to me anymore. I've moved on. Good night. You know, like they don't exist to me. You're dead to me. And I, you could be Scarlett Johansson. She smokes. In fact, you smoke cigarettes. You're dead to me. It's impossible for you to be attractive to me if you're a woman and you smoke cigarettes even. So forget about weed. Weed, I'm out. Oh, gross. You know? But this story was incredible. So this friend of mine is incredibly kind. You know, she's we're completely opposite as people where she would give people a chance. Like if I knew somebody had had a meth problem before, like you're not staying on my couch. <laughs> it was it was outrageous to hear her talking through her understanding of the person's situation. I was just like, this is madness. This person is a meth addict. Why are you letting them stay on your couch? Anyway. I just thought that was electric and she told me the whole story it just it, it went where you would think a story involving a meth addict would go it, it was just one of the most ridiculous stories in the world i'll ask you if i can tell the full story um i was just blown away i was just blown away that she, in fact she she knows two meth addicts and and had known another one previously who she had to cut off i'm just like and, and by the way she's not a meth addict she's one she's genuinely one of the most inspirational humans i've ever met one of the nicest people on this planet that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. She's just too kind. I don't know if you know those people that are so nice that they harm themselves, you, you know. And then on the other side, you get people like me. Some people might say, no, you're too closeted and closed off. So, you know, you know there's got to be a gray area somewhere. I don't know. I don't do gray areas. Good luck to all of you. You know, whatever. I'm not better than anyone but I'm not doing drugs. So I am, I am better than you if you're smoking weed and I'm not. Sorry. I Like, I just am. And don't hide behind the everyone's got something. Don't be an idiot. Like, you don't have to smoke weed to have your thing. There's, there, there are so many other options for anxiety relief, by the way. So many options. And they, they don't have to be medical. You know, there, there's, there are so many options shoot in the dms happy to connect you with people that can give you options if you go oh but what about my anxiety i have to smoke weed no you don't smoking weed neurologically the neuroscience is clear makes you dumber that's very clear that's not big pharma that's not anything don't smoke weed it's not cool and and that's an official message from me i'm not speaking on anyone's behalf I think it makes you an idiot if you're smoking weed. but And I'm not moving off that position, no matter who you are, by the way. I, I couldn't care who you are. I know the, the scientific evidence is very clear. It's making you dumber. It is. It's not a cool way to take the edge off. But a meth addict, how wild is that? On her couch, couldn't believe it. And the way she talked about it, like it was so normal. It's like, oh yeah, and then... You know, do we just, yeah, she's addicted to meth and she used to be an escort. And I'm just like, okay, the, the story is getting crazier and crazier. And that's not even the craziest part of the story. She, she is an escort, used to be an escort, met this high-powered lawyer through being an escort. This high-powered lawyer lives with their wife still because they separated but not divorced. But now the escort's in the mix and the escort has asked the, oh my goodness, the wife knows about... I mean, I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible story. I, I actually couldn't believe what I was listening to. But do people just know meth addicts? Like, oh yeah. 
Oh, Gwen. Classic Gwen. Just, uh, she's addicted to meth. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. I thought, I thought it was amazing. And, you know, hit me up in the DMs. M- MKT Inspires. Maybe I'm living a closeted life. Because I'm not going to lie. I live a small life, right? Because, like, I want to be honest. I've raged around the world and seen it all. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, never, I've never, ever done anything but drink, by the way. I once, the only time I had marijuana, right? I'll tell you, tell you about it. I was this loser. I was at this loser's party. I went with another friend and we were we were going out that night and this loser put weed in the cake and didn't tell anybody I'll never forget it I had a football game the next day I mean I did go out and get smashed on that night so I mean I I could always play with alcohol in my system my body was used to it but I remember like after eating this cake after like 10 minutes I said to my mate listen I've got to go sleep in the car I don't know what is wrong with me I feel horrendous turns out this loser and i mean he's this guy's i mean i've been a loser in my life but this guy was the ultimate loser had put weed in the cake right it was a space cake basically it was a beautiful chocolate cake but he put weed in it and oh my god i'll never forget it even from that i will never ever touch marijuana it was i felt so disgusting anyway so that's the one time i'd ever done anything but listen i've been to yacht week twice coachella i mean glastonbury countless times tomorrowland five or six times you know i can't even remember how many times i've been to tomorrowland so i'm not like oh these things don't exist i've seen people and listen i we 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 may or may not have had a scandal at my school about, uh, with cocaine and blah 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 but that's what rich kids are gonna do you know rich kids the play thing is cocaine they're, they're, they're in it and they are deep in it the more i learn about it uh, the more and and by the way you know, I saw two of my friends being counseled by my mother, didn't realize, and she didn't tell me, because obviously she can't actually, it's illegal to do that, but I actually saw them, I saw them like, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, okay, interesting, I was just visiting my mom, but I see there you are, and now I'm putting it together, years later I hear, oh, that guy was on cocaine, and still is, the one guy is, it's it's well known on the streets now, you know, so you know, drugs are a part of society, but my God, meth addict, my God. And, and listen, I'm not sensitive about it. I've had, as I said, I've lost two uncles to, um, to drugs, you know, so it's not like boo who it's so sad. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. It's a part of life. And, and listen, I, I think once it's in the mix, it becomes sad, you know? Um, I think, on television it looks cool but i would imagine if you've got a drug addict in your family you know all about it right they're stealing stuff from mom and gran and jesus it's a it's a remorse which is why the situation of my friend allowing a meth addict to stay at their house with her kids and her husband around i was just like what is going on though as she was explaining the story to me but she is the kindest person in the world um so you know i i guess some people give people a chance that story is incredible, by the way. I'll, I will try and um, clear it with her if I can tell the whole story. Anyway, moving from um, methamphetamine to um, to the ashes. Incredible. What an end yesterday. Uh, give you a quick report. I'll I'll, I'll dive into it uh, more on the next part. It's 2-1. The ashes is alive. Absolutely brilliant. England win day four. Um, listen, Headingley always seems to be electric for England, eh? It never, it's never a boring, dull test when England play there. So shout out to England, shout out to Australia. Um, I didn't think anything would fill the Premier League gap, but these guys are—they're doing it, hey? Eh? They're doing it. And there's another look. Australia need to basically draw one more, um, or, or win one more, I guess. Uh, draw, win one more. If it's three-one, they, they they retain the Ashes. If it's two-one uh, with one to play. I mean, what, what are we? We're three in now. Um, yeah, England have to win every single test, basically. So that that's great. England have to press now. And Australia uh, really can just draw and go, all right, well, we'll take the 2-2, you know? Amazing. Amazing. Test cricket's the best. Eh? I just wish the ICC would care. But it's too late now, blah, blah, blah. I whinge all the time um, about Dave Richardson and him selling cricket to... India, 
Australia and England. And some people may say it's economic forces. India are the market. That's all we care about. The IPL is the biggest ticket in the world. Literally, I think it was 5.5 billion pounds for their TV rights. They, they are the most valuable TV rights in the world for IPL. So what you're going to do, people will say, hey, you can't have it both ways and say it's entertainment. And then the big money comes along. It's the free market. And, and I'm, you know, as much as I'm a lefty, I'm, I'm a free market, um, you know, advocate. So I can't have it both ways and say, oh, boohoo, test cricket. If it's not delivering the numbers, fair enough. But it's still the best version of the game. I'm sorry, there is no T20 game that can get as exciting as just the Ashes has been. Right, strength versus strength, Test cricket is the best. When South Africa, when Australia, um, I think India, from about two thousand and five onwards, when they started, when they had Gary Kirsten, and, and got fit and started to care about cricket properly and not just uh, being playboys like they were in the nineties and and early noughties. Once they took it seriously, uh, you know, with the Gary Kirsten years, um, it it was nice because then there was four really strong uh, Test teams in the world. And we could play a five five match series, right? Like right now, the only interesting series that is is Australia, India, and England, purely because those are the teams that are strong. Right? South Africa, I mean, we are what we are, our administration is what it is. So we, we can't actually feel the proper team. It's it's a shambles. It's a shambles. So India, Australia, and, and even then, you really want India in England. And nobody can beat Australia in Australia. Like, so you want Australia away and India away. Because India at home, they doctor the pitches and it sucks. But India and England, I mean, you remember that last series was 2-2. India and Australia is a joke. So Australia in India is quite nice because Australia, give it a proper go. And then anyone in England is good fun, as we can see. You know, because the, the English actually doctor the pitches as well. It's something we must address. We always blame India. So, I mean, these pitches have been hysterical, right? Like Ben Stokes and these guys. I, I hate that players are talking about pitches ahead of the game. Like, well, you're not supposed to have that. Home advantage, yes. Obviously, let the groundsman. But you're not supposed to dictate to the groundsman. You know, um, I don't appreciate that at all. Uh, it, it's the one cool thing about Australia is they're going to prepare hard wickets that are going to deteriorate on day four badly and now do you have a spinner to bowl us out or can you play Nathan Lyon or Shane Warne can you do that I, I would say the true test of test cricket is playing in Australia that, that's the that's the most level playing field it's hard it's fast it's bouncing everybody's you know, everybody's got fast bowlers now. Everybody can bat. Everybody, because essentially India are pre preparing those pitches anyway, right? And I, I guess Australia isn't a road, um, but for me, that is the re that, that's the ultimate. It is fair. Everyone's at it. You know, if you can win in Australia, if you're great, you win in Australia. If you can match them, uh, their firepower for seamers and a spinner, or three seamers and a spinner, and a great wicketkeeper, because um, they'll always have that. You'll win in Australia, and you're the best. England doctor pitches the Duke ball, you know, um, so they do slant it in their favour for the swing bowlers. So, great stuff. Test cricket, great. I'll do more on the Ashes on the Thursday podcast. I'll break that um, third test down. I have lots of thoughts. Um, congratulations, England, keeping it alive. Absolutely love it. So, want to move on quick to Springboks played last night. I put a tweet out. Um, People are not happy with me. Social media. Social media is not a real place. But anyway, interesting thought um, on Marnie Liebach. People love him. People love the new movement of Springbok Rugby. You might be one of those people running rugby is now Springbok Rugby. Um, I have my thoughts on that. You can go and check it out at MKT Inspires. It's, I wouldn't say it's gone viral. But negativity abounds about my thoughts there. You know, I think we got to take Horsen uh, to the World Cup, but whatever. You, you know, uh, I, I like social media. If, you, if you're going to have an opinion on social media, don't get sensitive about it. I love it. I love that people disagree. I think it's the sign of a great society that people can disagree. And if you're a grown-up, 
people can disagree with you. It's okay, you know, but everyone disagrees with me uh, about my take there. Go check it out at MKT Inspires. You might agree or disagree. I want Hoosin at the World Cup um, and I don't like um, a running fly half, but the sprung, Springboks winning and, and I like Moni Libok, by the way, to be clear. Like, I, I like exciting rugby, but I just don't think it wins. Exciting doesn't win at that level, especially at fly half. But anyway, whatever, conversation for a different podcast. I don't really talk rugby. It's a bit of a boring game because it's too niche, right? It's all about football. Football is the is king. Um, but just to finish off on the rugby thing, what happened to Australia? Like, what has happened? Remember that that, that castle lady, the the goth lady, as their CEO, and immediately I knew I was like, what are we doing here? Like, that is not a business person who I'm going to take seriously. She's wearing goth makeup, and. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying you can't be a goth. What I'm saying is you can't be a goth and be the head of a rugby corporation. It, it doesn't work that way. And yes, certain personalities have to be in certain spaces. If, if you're a goth and you are the head of a music label, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. That person is, you know, gothic culture is preeminent in that world. So that makes sense. I don't want Elon Musk being the head of Sony Music. Do you know what I mean? But I don't want a goth being the head of rugby. And I don't know if she was a goth, but she wore makeup like she was. But everything about her was just a shambles. She was like, and I'm a liberal, but she was the worst kind of PC leftist. Oh, she was crud. Australian rugby did well to get rid of her. And it doesn't need to be a guy, by the way. And I'm not Mr. PC, but it just needs to be somebody who's hard-nosed because that is that world. Like rugby, of all things is patriarchal it's hard-nosed and it's aggressive and it's violent it needs people who understand how to deal with a-type alpha men and women even the women in rugby are going to be a certain type of person you're going to need to keep them in line because they're going to be belligerent bastards because that's what rugby players are is you know too much testosterone and you've got to keep them in line well, people say uh, cricket is a gentleman's game played by hooligans and uh, rugby is a hooligans game played by gentlemen. I don't know how true that is, but, you know, it, it's what has happened to Australia? Like, what has gone on there? You know, like I'm old, so I remember like from 99 till 2005, Australian rugby was unbelievable. Obviously, world champs 99 and, and even from before that. Even from before that, 95, they were great. I mean, we beat them uh, here, but you weren't going to beat the Springboks in South Africa with Madiba Magic, Oaks. Madiba, thanks, Madiba. Um, but Australian rugby, I mean, this is pitiful. Like, are all their athletes playing NRL and uh, footy, mate, up there? Because they call it footy. Hey, the AFL, Aussie rules. Like, where are their athletes? There's, there's just... You just looked at that Springbok and Australian lineup next to each other and you thought, oh, did they bring their school team? I'm not being funny. I think Grey Bloom beats that Australia team. The only person who's serious in that Australia team who I think is serious about rugby is Michael Hooper. And, and you know why I'm so sad for him is he's a rugby legend by international standards. He, he could play for the All Blacks. Like, he's so good. He's, he's one of the preeminent number sevens, open side, his specialist open side i think he's absolutely magnificent what i really like about michael hooper is he's a grown-up you know he's a proper head boy isn't he like he's a proper leader he's the guy who you would cast in a movie to play like the captain of a rugby team he's it but the rest of them are they're laughing you're quaid cooper oh my goodness so i don't know what's happened to australian rugby it is very very sad it's, and it's like it's not even like oh this is sad. It's over. Like this is horrendous. Yesterday was horrendous, and that was the Springbok B team. Imagine if we had our first team. Like if Pollard had played and Faf had played. Oh my goodness, seventy. They are what the Springboks were under Markroff and Strauli. I don't know if you remember those dark days. I'm sorry to bring them up if you're South African, but it is so bad. 
but Australian rugby just doesn't have athletes. And if you do watch it, remember their rugby fell apart. They don't even have local rugby. They had to join Super Rugby. They don't have like a Curry Cup in Australia. So, you know, the degradation of the sport there um, is sad. Because it used to, it's important for Southern Hemisphere rugby that Australia is strong. And world rugby. But it's all over Red Rover. So it's just the All Blacks and South Africa. And Australia will tell you, hey, we've got bigger things to worry about. Footy, mad. Worry about footy. Although they're having big footy problems now because AFL guys, I saw they are not happy about pay. Um, so maybe maybe Australia's burning down. You know, maybe it's just been too good for too long. You know, they say hard times make strong men. Strong men make for good times. Good times make soft men and soft men create hard times. So... So maybe Australia is going through that whole philosophical cycle. You know what I mean? Maybe. Maybe it's been too good in Australia, you know? Happens with every society. The Roman Empire, uh, the, the Ottomans, uh, you know, the, the Mongols. As soon as an empire has had it too good for too long, generally collapses in on itself. Bloody, bloody, blah. Sad to see. Anyway, slide in the DMs if you have any questions. I don't have any uh, mailbag questions this week. going to head straight into the football Maurizio Pochettino. So I'll keep it simple this week. You know, Poch, I think, hell of a, hell of a press conference. I think he's got the mentality, um, and he's he's the right person at the right time for Chelsea. You know, haven't you ever felt in your life like you've met a person at the wrong time? Like maybe you met somebody who was husband or wife material, but you were 20, and you just wanted to be the first person at the bar and the last person at the bar. You know what I mean? You ever felt that? I don't know if you, I don't know if any of you have felt that. Um, I certainly had that. I have that in my personal life. I'll be honest. I did meet somebody who, now that I'm 37, I'm like, oh man, would have been. Although I don't know, it's easy to say this, you know. It's easy to idealize life, but it's like sometimes it would just be awesome to meet somebody when you're 28. <laughs> yeah, you know, in hindsight, like, oh man, I see they were great. They were so mature at 20. What if I was, what if I just, why couldn't I just meet them at 20? I mean, you can't live your life like that, but you, you know what I mean? You've got to meet, it's so important when you meet people in life, right? And when you receive a message in life. And I think Maurizio Pochettino is the right man at the right time. But I think he has three major tasks at Chelsea, to be honest with you. And I'll keep it simple. I think it's, he has to make losing unacceptable, number one. Number two, he has to figure out who's all in, because it's a young generation and a new generation. And number three, I think it's important that he gets top four, and gets to a cup semi-final this year. Those are the minimum, minimum deliverables. So let's start off with making losing unacceptable. Because one of the things that I think most people presume in life is that winning's for everyone. And people always say, oh, Pep Guardiola, he's got all the money, he's got all of this. Yes, but here's the thing about high-level players is they have they push back on coaches, by the way. You think it's easy coaching Leo Messi? Ask the PSG guys what, what that's like. Ask, ask the run of managers that have come through and Neymar and Mbappe and Verratti and these demanding guys. Because these top guys are what? Demanding. You know what competent people are? They're demanding. People think it's easy being Pep Guardiola. No, sir. No, 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 no. He has to bring his A game every day. Otherwise, Kevin De Bruyne is going. Because you don't have to coach Kevin De Bruyne, right? You've got to manage the person that is Kevin De Bruyne and somehow psychologically get him to a place where 80% of the time he's giving you his best peak performances. That's what it's about at the top level. Yes, the coaching. Yes, all of that. He's, I think it's very little about that. It's about getting the best out of his guys as often as he does. That's remarkable. Fergie had it. Jose had it. You, you know, Ancelotti has it. There's, there's five or six in the history of football that have had it. Right? There's a reason why so few coaches win the Champions League. There's a reason why so few coaches have won the Champions League three times. Two times, even. Fergie's only won it twice. There's a reason. There's a reason why there's only one Arsene Wenger. It's bloody impossible at the top. Especially now, these top players are rich. In the 90s and noughties, they weren't this rich. Now these guys are rich. So they don't need you. right? After, after their first contract, none of these players need to listen to the manager. 
So it is now impossible because you're managing so much the agent, the family, the brand, the this, the social media, the, and these top managers. That's why there's very, very few of them. Very, very few. Winning's not for everyone. Poch has to make sure that it becomes painful for Chelsea to lose because it's seven seasons in now without a trophy. And also, what you have to do is put pressure on the team, right? What you... When you put pressure on people, you reveal their character. What Chelsea needs is to breed the next generation of leaders. You remember when they were when they were winning, when they were humming? Lampard, Essien, Terry. There was a time when Chelsea had nine international captains, right? Ivanovic, Czech, Balak, you know, Essien. I mean, it was incredible. Terry, Carvalho, Cole. These were all, I mean, Ashley Cole was a leader, not so much a captain, but, you know, Drogba, international captain. These are, you know, Damien Duff. You had leaders, hardcore leaders, and that's important because, once again, at the top, these guys are all rich. You've got to hold them accountable, and that's not easy. Trust me. If you, like, if you haven't played sport, trust me. The one thing about rich men is it's important possible to keep them on a leash and keep them all going in one direction rich young men are a nightmare rich young men who are accomplished are even worse that's why you need vincent company that's why you need roy Keane. right that's why you need patrick vieira that's why you need those guys to go cut the nonsense cut the nonsense right that's why you need ruben diaz that's why you need fernandinho cut the nonsense and you get young men all facing one direction. It's very, very, very difficult. But Poch is going to have to put pressure on that dressing room so that those leaders reveal themselves. So that those leaders reveal themselves. And then the last thing he has to do in order to make sure that uh, losing is unacceptable is you've got to get rid of guys like Romelu Lukaku, Mason Mount's out now, Havertz is out. If you don't want to be at Chelsea, leave. That's what you've got to do to win in life. Right? Somebody said something great to me once before was nobody's ever going to come from far to attack you or betray you it's those around you who will betray you because it's listen it's hard work to come from over there and come and infiltrate your world and be a trojan horse and no nations empires teams they all rot from within and poch has to figure that out big time get rid of lukaku early and you see there's been a brutality by lawrence um, with the way the guys are operating now. When Stanley and Lawrence have been unbelievably, right? Unbelievably brutal in just getting rid of guys early as well. Which I think Maurizio has to continue to do. Second, he's got to figure out who's all in, right? Reese James is the only untouchable for me, but he has to build a, a leadership core around him. Chaloba, James, Thiago, um, you, you know, and Enzo Fernandez. I think that that is your leadership for from what I've seen on television and read. Um, but he's got to find five or six guys to lead, right? That's how you become a championship team. Again, think of your great Arsenal teams. Think of your great Man United teams. There's always four or five guys who lead. And let me tell you something about winning teams. The manager can't do that. The manager can set a strategy, can do the formation, can pick the squad. But he cannot run the dressing room. And if the dressing room doesn't lead itself, you're finished. Fergie's finished without Roy Keane. Without Vidic. Without Rio Ferdinand. Without Michael Carrick. Without Paul Scholes. Without Gary Neville. He's finished. He, know, he knows that. Arsene Wenger need leaders. The coach can only do so much. And it's hard enough just to try and be tactically and technically ahead of um, other management teams. You cannot run the dressing room. That has to run itself. So Reese James, Chaloba, these guys are going to have to step up well before their time like Fergie, uh, some of Fergie's kids did. Enzo Fernandez, Thiago, maybe he brings in one or two experienced guys. Aspilicueta's gone now. He's got to figure that out pretty quickly. Because the talent's great. Talent without leadership is useless. It's absolutely useless. It is useless being talented and having no direction um, and mentors. And, and people to hold you accountable. Again, rich young men need people to hold them accountable. Not sometimes, all the time. Because when you, young men, I, I, I'm not going to speak for women. I don't know what women's personalities are like. But when young men have time and money, it's problems. 
it is big, big, big problems. So can he get that right? That's what he has to do. That's number two. Who's all in? Number three, he's got to finish in the top four and get to a League Cup or a FA Cup semi-final. Um, they're too young to win, I think, but they're talented enough to challenge. And Cup, we know, for me, Cup football, anyone can get in. He's got the talent now. He's got the size of the squad and he'll add some talent. You've got to get to a League Cup semi-final, an FA Cup semi-final. I'm not expecting more than that. I'm not expecting trophies this season. Um, but top four is a must. If he doesn't get top four, we're going to have a very awkward conversation. A very, very awkward conversation at the end of the season. I'm hesitant to say he has to go. But if, he, if he's, listen, if it's close and he's fifth because Newcastle pip us at the end of the year, I say, okay, you know what? But what does the culture look like? Is he getting the shape of the squad right? Is the football looking good? You, you know, what's the feel like? Because, again, I do know people on the, on the inside of Chelsea um, in, in the big fan clubs. And they'll always tell you the temperature of the club, right? The fans know. No, nobody knows better than, the, than those hardcore fans who go every week. They know what's up. They can feel what's up. They know the players personally. They, they know what the players are thinking about the manager. They know. Trust me, they know. I was a season ticket holder for two and a half years. I know some of the guys on the inside at Chelsea in particular, but I know football fans. I know how the football network works. Nobody, like we love it out here. Fabrizio doesn't know like the fans know. The fans know their club. They know the players. Trust me, the cult heroes know, the, the cult fans know the players personally. They chat to the players personally. And they know the temperature of the dressing room. They'll never report it. Um, the ultras, uh, as they're known across Europe, they exist in England as well. The hardcore terrorist fans know what's going on way better than any journalist, than anybody else. Trust me, I know two of them, in particular at Chelsea. They know exactly what's going on in the dressing room. They know the temperature of the dressing room. They knew the Mason Mount story. I didn't ask them, but they knew the Mason Mount story well before they knew Mount was leaving. They knew why he was leaving. So they know if the feel is right with the fans at the end of the season, then I'll go, hey, no worries. And, and you don't make top four. But not, not making top four and it's like six points off, then it's awkward. Probably got to go. Then it's time for Nagelsmann or whoever's hot then. Maybe Deserby is done at Brighton. So those are my three things. If you're a Chelsea fan, I'd love to know what you think. Um, take two seconds. Go and rate the show. So obviously five stars. I mean, what are we even talking about here? And then leave a review. Leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, where else? Spotify. So, uh, I'm on, I use Pocket, uh, I use Pocket Cast. It's the best one if, you, if you're on Android. It's the best UX for me. I like simplicity. The rest of them are a shambles. I, I, you know what's getting better is Spotify. They are simplifying it. It was a mess. There's too many menus. There's too many scroll through. Um, I can't slide the usability buttons and playlist saving buttons yet on Spotify like I can on Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast doesn't have music though. So I'd like, I'd like to speak to someone at Spotify. I'd like to speak to Daniel Ek directly. Say, hey, buddy. Just go to Pocket Cast, get that UX on your platform, and then I don't have to have four freaking podcast things, right? Because for podcasts, I'm on Pocket Cast, but for music, I'm on Spotify. It's it's the best music one. Apple Podcasts is hysterical. What a joke of a platform. Disgusting. I'd, I'd rather be run over by a lorry. And I don't mean a big person who's called lorry. I mean a truck. 10-ton truck and survive it and then be eaten by a crocodile than use Apple Podcasts. It's terrible. It's the worst thing on the planet. Uh, well, I mean, some people might say world hunger, poverty. Uh, you know who else is terrible? You, you know what else is terrible? People who take dogs to restaurants. You, you are disgusting human beings. I want you to know that. If you're, if you're the type of person who takes your dog to a restaurant, you're disgusting. Like, I love dogs. I hate cats. I hate other pets. So I don't think you should have any other pets. Like, you're only a parrot. What are you, a pirate? But I love dogs. I want to tell you, I love dogs. I don't have one because I just, I'm, I'm too much of a, 
a vagrant right now. You know, I live my life sort of in a nimble fashion. I just want to be able to shut the door and travel. Um, but people who take dogs to restaurants, it's like not everyone's comfortable around dogs. And then your dog's fighting with another dog. And, and dog people now, as much as I used to defend them, I have to fight against you. You're terrible humans because why must I like your dog? It, it's, it's like, you know, it's bad enough that people take their children to nice restaurants. Whatever. Okay, I can live with children. They're human beings. But now your dogs are barking. And, and some people, and by the way, it's a little bit uncomfortable in South Africa. It's like, you know, largely dogs were used against black people in apartheid time. So black people largely are scared of dogs not because because we haven't been socialized around dogs or, or i would say my parents haven't been socialized around dogs so they're scared of dogs right my mom's scared of dogs because to her it's a symbol of oh my god the apartheid police are back so people don't get this right so i've, I've often heard ignorant people in south Africa go oh black people are so scared of dogs no <laughs> they were used to bloody arrest my parents so you know, the socialization of most black people around dogs isn't what it is for white people. So stop bringing your dogs to restaurants. Oh my God, you are disgusting humans. I want to tell you. And if you're one of those people listening to this podcast, you are you are a terrible person. Leave your dog at home. And I love dogs. And the dog's not the problem. You are. Stop taking your dog out. It's not a fashion item. Leave your dog at home. Freaking Candace. It's usually a Candace or a Gwendolyn, like old white ladies and like cool white chick with her like husky. Firstly, I don't know why you got a husky in Africa, but let, uh, you know what? Let's not hate on people. I, I do love dogs. And it's not the dog's fault. I want to be very, very clear. The dog is not in control of the situation. And you're not socializing your dog by taking them to restaurants. Dogs don't have to be at restaurants. There are dog schools, by the way. You can do that. Train your dog. And if you can't afford a place with a garden for a dog. Stop getting dogs. You're a terrible human. And stop taking them to restaurants because we don't want to be around your dog barking while I'm trying to catch up with my friend or if someone's on a date or if someone's scared of dogs. What about that? Yeah, but, you know, what's wrong with you? Do you not like pets? No, I like pets. I just keep them at your house, you freaking monster. You are a bad person. You, person who takes their dog to a restaurant. You, all of you are horrendous, disgusting, revolting people. You're fantastic for having, for having a dog, right? I think dogs are great. I hate the mongrel ones. But what are we doing? And then your dogs are fighting, they're barking. Oh my God, gross. Gross. And they are not at fault. They're the victims. So I had to get that out there. All right, let's finish off on this. You know, don't... Do don't want to end off on, on that note. Chastising. Although, I don't think I'm chastising them. I think it's objectively speaking, it makes you one of the most revolting people in the world if you take your dog to a controlled public space like a restaurant. And then we, like, now, now I want to go to the bathroom in this dog bowl. Like, I remember I nearly tripped over someone's, like, water bowl at a restaurant because I'm going to the bathroom. I'm not looking down. I'm going to the bathroom. And now I'm the bad person. no. If you don't want to take your dog out, stay at home, you bloody nonce. It's, we're not wrong for saying don't bring your dog out. And your dog is not like your child. It's not. I can't talk to the dog and go, excuse me, don't bite my leg. Stop sniffing me. You know, I'm not comfortable around dogs. Some people aren't, most of the world probably not comfortable around dogs. Also, I don't know your dog. What if your dog is aggressive? I, I feel like I'm not a bad person for pointing this out. And, but we live in a world where you can't just tell people that. So now it's a big reason why I don't go out a lot as well. It's another, like, children at nice restaurants, forget it. But dogs at restaurants, like, that's just making my I want to go out less and less and less. Anywho, move on. David Gare. Let's move on to him. So it's over. It's over. Um, David Gare is an interesting one, isn't he? Some people love him, some people not so much. Um, I'll tell you what I think of him. So let's just look at the facts on David De Gea. Um, one EPL title, an FA Cup title, two League Cup titles, a Europa League, 
Five times he was in the team of the year, uh, Premier League team of the year, uh, four-time Man United uh, player of the year, and won the Golden Glove twice. So, you know, that is what it is. So before I get into De Gea, let me put it like this. You know, I'm 37 now, so I'm a child of the noughties, sort of 90s, young in the 90s, but I I like to think bred in in the noughties. You know, like I'm 13 then, then I'm hunting, you know, high school, doing all the cool stuff. So when I was growing up, you had to have a Nokia. I remember, because my dad lived in Finland, right? Um, I always used to get Nokias before anyone else in South Africa that I knew, right? Obviously, he's my, like Motorola's and Nokia's. I had my dad's knockoffs, his second hands that he was moving off before anyone else in South Africa. I'll never forget, I was... I was the first person I'd ever met with the 6210 that had the new snake where you could go through the wall. Remember that? And it had the infrared. I, I didn't. I, my dad gave me his one, but it was because he was living in Finland. So obviously Nokia, you get it there first and there it was just commonplace. But when I was young, you had to have a Nokia. That's what you were cooking with, right? You had to have a Walkman, a Nintendo. Like if you haven't had the grey Nintendo, what were you doing? You know, I mean... Also, keep in mind, they were very expensive. So my dad worked really, really incredibly hard to get me that. So I had I had all the Nintendo. I had every single game console you could ever imagine, by the way. Every single console, this guy over here, he had it. And that's what you had to have. You had to have a Walkman. Are you joking? Right? Now, in 2023, you hide those. It's embarrassing. Like, if, if you were to bring a Nokia out now, your wife is right to leave you. I'm sorry. What are we doing? What the, what the hell on this green earth are we doing? You hide those. They're walkman. What are we doing? Right? You got to, you got to have like, like get serious. You know, and I think that is to say that I can't be showing a Nokia in twenty twenty three. David De Gea is a Man United legend. Let's be very clear. But that's important. A Man United legend. Right. And let me tell you why. The, the worst thing that ever happened to David De Gea was Alex Ferguson leaving in his second year after they won that title. Because it, it killed his development because it's been perpetual chaos at Manchester United since then. So he never actually evolved from when he was 20 as a goalkeeper to what he is now. He's exactly the same goalkeeper. Just a little bit more buff. Got in a bit of an English gym. But he never, ever evolved the other parts of his game, which Fergie would have demanded because you saw Edwin van der Sar, ball-playing goalkeeper. <laughs> We're not having any of that. Right? And I tell young people this all the time, is that whenever you're looking for a new job, don't chase money. Chase leadership. Right? Because around good leadership, generally there's money anyway. But you're also going to develop, especially when you're young. When you're building your profile, it doesn't really matter how much you're 23. Who cares how much money you make anyway? You've got no experience. You've got nothing to offer the world. What you should be chasing, who cares about an extra, in my language in South Africa, an extra 5,000 rand? When you're 23, when you can go and work with, proverbially speaking, Adrian Gore instead of some ramshackle place that is a startup and will give you five grand more. Who cares? You're not going to develop there. But one thing you're going to do is if you go to Discovery, you're 100% sure that if you get to work with that leadership team, just hypothetically speaking. So chase stability and leadership. Don't chase money. The money will come if you're good. Right? Chaos is a killer for young people. You cannot, nobody, nobody in the world has ever developed in chaos. Nobody. Don't let these guys on Instagram lie to you. Chaos is the enemy of progress. And it's been chaotic for De Gea. He has not changed, by the way. David De Gea has not changed since the day he arrived at Man United, besides getting in the gym. And he's a little bit more buff, and he's a little bit better in the air, although he's not really with crosses, right? What he is is an unbelievable shot stopper and nothing else. Because he's never developed. Because Fergie left in that second year, and it's just been Moyes, and it was Mourinho, and it was, I mean... It, it, Van Gaal, it, it's been a mess. So he, it's been perpetual chaos. So it's like he's trapped in childhood. He never ever developed, right, beyond his youth. 
his 20s, his teens. And what he's got is awful feet, but he's a sensational shot stopper. He's a Nokia in a Samsung and Apple world. Because Allison's here, Edison's here, Van der Sar was here, Neuer is here. That's Apple. That's, that's Samsung. We're humming now. I've got my music. I've got my podcast. I've got my phone calls. I've got everything on one thing. I'm, I don't have an, a Walkman and a phone this side and a game console over here. No, no, no. I've got everything on one thing. Modern day sweeper keeper. And now we're moving past the sweeper keeper, actually, which I, which I think Neuer never got the credit for. But anyway, now you need a playmaking goalkeeper. If you're not a playmaking goalkeeper in this day and age, you are behind. Now we expect you to be a sweeper keeper, right? We expect you to have good feet. We expect you to be help with uh, rotation. We expect you to help with ball retention. We expect that now. That's the base level. And of course, you should be a great shot stopper because you should be that as your first fundamental requirement as a goalkeeper. Like, we expect that. So people mustn't give credit to De Gea for being a great shot stopper. You should be that in the top six clubs in England. You, so, so already, th that should... It, it's like, oh, I can make a phone call on my Samsung. Why are you crediting a cell phone for being able to do what it should be, what you're buying it for? So it should... Like, David Gea should be a great shot stopper, but he, he offers you quite literally nothing else. And there's a reason why he's only got 45 caps for Spain, right? Obviously, Saint Ica played forever. But even lately, Spain haven't had a keeper since Ica Casillas. The rest of them have been bums. But he can't get in because Kepa can play with his feet. That's a problem, right? It's why Atletico Madrid were willing to move on. They've moved on. Jan Oblak, he can play with his feet. Thibaut Courtois, play with his feet. He can't play with his feet. That's why he can't get in the Spain team. I mean, if there's one place where, as a goalkeeper, Vito Valdez, he couldn't even beat Vito Valdez out. You know why? No feet. There's a reason why even now Kepa is and Kepa is terrible as a goalkeeper. What what it shows you is the shot stopping actually matters less and less in football, especially if your team's going to be dominant. Because if we've got sixty five percent possession, sixty percent possession, who cares about the shot stopping? Very rarely are teams gonna when you're playing the Gagan press gonna be one on one or shooting anyway. And if they score, it's gonna be a thunderbolt. It is basically the numbers that coaches are playing, right? So David Gay, it's very useless to us that you're a good shot stopper because you know who needs a good shot stopper? Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield United need that. Like, it's not useful to a modern-day football club to have a good shot stopper. If you want to be a top club and... Listen, David De Gea, part of the reason Man United have been so poor is David De Gea. He has to take some responsibility because he gets credit. I've always said in life, as much credit as you get, you must be willing to take the same amount of criticism. But he's been holding Man United back in the sense that he's not a modern-day goalkeeper, so they couldn't play in a modern way. Even if Mourinho had wanted to play in a modern way, he couldn't. They were trapped with a ridiculous De Gea contract. And United were wrong for paying him £300,000 a week, by the way. You should not be paying an outdated artifact like David De Gea, top money. It's ridiculous. And what should worry Man United fans about his tenure is that he was player of the year four times. What is your goalkeeper doing being player of the year? <laughs> that does not happen in Man City. That does not happen at peak Chelsea. There's no way David Seaman or Lehman were the player of the year at Arsenal in the invincible years. It, that should really, really worry Man United about how bad it's been since Fergie left in the last decade. He's been player of the year four times. That means he's getting peppered and is having to have worldly seasons. So his legacy for me is he's a Manchester United legend, right? But what he is, is an analog product in a digital time. He's horrendously outdated, horrendously, and has been for time. If you've been listening to the podcast, my friends know I felt about David De Gea five, six seasons ago. He was outdated then. He was outdated then. I mean, listen, Peter Cech was outdated, but but Peter Cech was a commanding leader. So he, he gave you that and was one of the greatest shot stoppers. And, and, and by the way, Peter Cech, IQ off the charts, right? Real thinker um, and, and was the beginning of the modern day keeper. But he went to Arsenal, remember? And Arsenal wanted to play football from the back. <laughs> no go. No deep line, um, and Peter Cech just couldn't survive at Arsenal because 
he he was an outdated product. David De Gea is a worse version of that. He was so he's a worse shot stopper because Peter Cech, by the way, I'm sorry, he's not on Peter Cech's level shot stopping, and Peter Cech's command of crosses and um, was incredible, and it was a captain at the back, so you don't get that with David De Gea, and even Peter Cech can keep up. Analog player in a digital time, horrendously outdated. So I'll leave it to Man United fans. He's a, he's, a, he's a Man United legend. He's not a Premier League legend. He's not one of the greatest goalkeepers the Premier League's ever seen. I think he's one of the most horrendously overpaid uh, goalkeepers. I think they made a huge mistake, especially when did he get that new contract? I think it was in the Mourinho years. What on earth are they doing? It was time to move on, man. Like, you could see where it was going. I mean, Allison and Mendy and... You, you can see where this football's going. Right, Edison... Look Look at the difference between Joe Hart, Bravo, and then they got Edison, and then it's just they've never looked back. Right? You, you see what Neuer is. I mean, Neuer is not fair, right? I think he's the greatest keeper of all time. Like, maybe you should leave him out. He's For me, that's the Leo Messi of goalkeepers. Just, okay, you may never get that again. Like, monster, shot stopper, brilliant on crosses. He's putting it on his chest. He's lobbing it over your the, the pressing you know, left winger, he's he's hitting it long, he's giving you the 60-meter pass. You, you, you know, Neuer is an anomaly. Like, we may never see that again. Um, and also, really low on mistakes, by the way, Manuel Neuer, which is incredible considering how high-risk his style is. It's just out of hand. Like, Allison makes a lot of mistakes. Edison makes a lot of mistakes. Um, Neuer is just like low mistakes, which is just completely outrageous. So I leave Neuer out and I say... Allison um, and you can see Onana now uh, is probably a better product uh, for the total football that uh, Eric Ten Hag wants to play. So, love to know what Man United fans think. David Gea, uh, a living legend, or your, your thoughts? What he's not is a Premier League legend. I will leave it to Man United fans whether they think. Because here's my thing about legend status, and I'll leave you with this. For me, if if I have to argue whether you're a legend or not. You're not a legend. Like, there, there are no degrees to greatness. You're either great or you're not. Like, Edwin van der Sar, great. Peter Schmeichel, great. Like, uh, th there's, no one, there's no one who isn't a bum, right? Like, every good red-blooded red human, I hate Manchester United. But you can't tell me Peter Schmeichel and Edwin van der Sar are not bona fide football legends. And by the way, uh, Edwin van der Sar going through the most right now. I hope that works out because he's a very intelligent man. I love hearing him talk about football. Um, he had bleeding on the brain, I believe, recently. So holding thumbs, I mean, that makes no difference to his situation. I, he's obviously got the best medical attention in the world. Um, and yeah, I mean, we really, I hope he pulls through. He's, he's a shining light in, in football. Uh, he speaks intelligently, um, speaks very smartly about the business and player side of football, the mental side of football. So, you know, He's one of the good ones. Um, here's to hoping Edwin van der Sar survives and pulls through. Come on, brother. Do, do the right thing here. Do the right thing and survive and keep educating us and um, and moving football forward. Um, but a bona fide legend, right? Like, that's a legend. Schmeichel, legend. Peter Cech, legend. You know? David Seaman, legend. Uh, like, everyone knows. Lehman, okay, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I guess he's invincible. You'd have to say, to be tough not to call him a legend. Manuel Neuer, legend. Like, like... Now we know Edison, legend, right? That's done. That's locked in. Uh, Allison, mm, not sure. Very, 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 very good, right? But if we start saying David Gay is a legend, what do you call Vandersar then? What's the term for him? What's Edison? You know. So I've never been one. I think the term great and and legendary. Those the. Those should be saved. Like, Ruben Diaz is not a great centre-back, right? Vincent Kompany is a great centre-back. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking in the Premier League context. Um, Steve Bruce, great centre-back. Uh, John Terry, great centre-back. You know, Nemanja Vidic, great centre-back. Legendary centre-back. Saul Campbell, legendary. Like, th there should be very few people who we refer to as great. Not everything's great. In fact, 1% of the world is great. Everything else is very good and downwards. We must stop saying great. There isn't lots of great. There aren't lots of great partners. 
you know otherwise you just marry the next person you see but maybe one out of ten even less than one out of ten I, I don't know what the numbers are i mean five out of ten people you meet if you marry them you're going to get divorced right it's 50 percent. so it shows you already if you're talking just about partners already at 50 percent, you're pushing it not half the world are great partners how do i know that 50 percent of the world are getting divorced now I understand stats are a little more complicated and convoluted than that, right? But you, you know what I'm saying. So stop saying everything's great. Not everything's great. Very few things are great. Just say things are okay. Okay, oh, that was nice. You know, most things are. Most things are nice. David Gay is a nice goalkeeper. He's an okay goalkeeper. What he's not is legendary or great by Premier League standards. If you're a Man United fan, you think he's a legend, I'll leave that to you guys. Whatever. Like, you know, one Premier League title, you've got to do a little bit more than that. And also, you can't be the same goalkeeper at 30, whatever he is, to what you were at 20 and tell me you're a legend. No. Ain't going to work. Ain't going to do it, pal. Ain't going to do it. MKT, at the MKT Show, at MKT Inspires. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Hell of a weekend. Hell of a weekend. Shout out to the box. Uh, shout out to... Uh, football shout out to Fabrizio Romano uh, to David Ornstein uh, keeping it cooking uh, the NBA trades have been incredible the NFL is getting closer um, if you're a, listen if you're a sports fan it's it's the, the, this is the time to be alive right this is the time because now we're going to start preseason for the football football's the best I'm enjoying the test cricket but life's not the same without Premier League like let's be honest let's be honest you know if if you're a sports fan, if not, whatever. Congratulations to you. I don't know. I don't know how you spend your weekend. I like, I don't know what people who don't watch sport are doing. I, I honestly, like, if you listen to this and you just like a laugh, set, slide in the DMs. What do you do on the weekend? Like, what are you up to? What are you chatting to your friends about besides work and family? Because everyone's doing that, by the way. You're not special for being in touch with your family. We're all dealing with family stuff. So so that doesn't separate you from the world. What are you using as a social tool? Do you just hang out at bars and get drunk all the time? Are you taking, are you taking, are you a meth addict? <laughs> like the only way I would imagine people fill their weekends is they're just on meth and they're asleep the whole time. If they're not watching football, rugby, cricket, tennis, something. Because one of the things people go, oh, but I, li I like art and music. Who is gathering, who's saying Come over to my house so we can listen to like 10 of us so we can watch the latest music videos or look at the, the, the latest collection from the Louvre. Like who's saying that? Is that what people are doing? Are, are people gathering, right? Are, are people gathering to discuss the, the philosophical discourse of the day and age? Like are, are people doing that? Are you, are you gathering for dinners with your friends? to talk about the tapestry of the the role of the modern day woman in the workplace. Is that what people are doing? Like these sophisticated people. Because, hey, listen, enlighten me. Maybe I'm, maybe, because one thing I'm clear is I'm a moron. I am. So uh, educate me. What are you doing if you don't watch sport? How do you fill, how do you fill in the social gaps in your life? Right. And by the way, some people horse ride. So if, if it's horses, I get it. That's, now that, no, that that's, that's a hybrid of culture and sport. I don't really think um, equestrian is sport, but whatever. You know, I get it. I, I, again, it's got the sporting tribal element. Where there aren't tribes involved, where you can pick a side, what are you doing to socialize? And music doesn't work in that context. You can't, you can't say it's Drake versus Dizzy Rascal or whoever, right? Let's go watch this weekend. So, love to know. Love to know. If you don't like sport, we could never be friends, first and foremost. So I don't know what you're doing there. Um, or, or it puts a limit, I guess, on, on our friendship. Because, especially in football season. In football season, I don't see the people I love. I mean, I, I, I don't see the people I love in football season at all. And I don't want to. I want to watch the football on the weekend. So forget forget it if you, if you don't watch sport. Like, just forget it. Because I don't know what we're going to talk about. And while I'm talking to you, I'm definitely thinking about, who's that new Fulham left back? That guy's unbelievable. Imagine him in a top, top six team. Or 
yeah, see that inside center from the Sharks or, or whatever. I mean, I don't watch local rugby anymore. It's small face, but you get what I'm saying. Like, should you take two spinners to India? Is that the right option? Or if you've got three great seamers and your spinner's accurate enough to hold up an end, could you actually beat Virat Kohli and those guys in a five-test match series? That's what's occupying my mind. I just want to tell you. You know? Monkey and the organ grinder, they say. The monkey and the organ grinder. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. For now, I am the hell. Yeah.